Hi, this is Bron Burton and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. And good morning, good morning, there goes that music. It is, you're on 3RRR, this is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxshaw. I'm Bron Burton. And I'm Kate Mills. Hello, everybody. How are you? I'm okay. How are you, Kate? Ah, uh, look, I, I've, I'm doing all right. I, I got the double line on the COVID test last night oh. or yesterday in the afternoon, so I'm isolating in the downstairs, I'm living under the stairs. I'm Harry Potter. I'm the troll under the bridge. I'm not quite sure what you want to refer to me as, but um, that's my current state at the moment. But I'm feeling fine. I, I reckon you're like 100,000 points to you, Cade, for being here. Yes. I oh, look, what else am I going to do at the moment? <laughs> You've got to be honest. I, I am in like a four by three kind of room and that's where I'll be staying for the next seven days. So any opportunity to communicate with the outside world, um, I'm taking it. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> I am so far. I'm feeling pretty good. I can sort of feel that respiratory kind of thing. So I might, might be a bit of coughing and um, I might be exhausted after this and have to lay down. It might be my equivalent of a marathon. But um, yeah. no, other than that, I'm doing fine so far. But look, let's see. We've Got, we're early into it, so we'll see how we go later. Oh, goodness me. Go well, stay safe and uh, healthy, uh, young Kate. Uh, we, we, um, I guess we want to kick off by, by thanking Tim, who um, listeners couldn't see, but as the theme song was playing, did the most gorgeous nautical jig across the, <laughs> gre- the green room, which just sums up the kind of wonderfulness that young Tim Thorpe brings to the Triple R studio. Thank you, Tim, very much. We should thank Andrew for soulful bits yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. And I missed who was presenting things to do today and Rising Diaries, but thank you to, to you as well. You. Yes. <laughs> and um, amazing long-form interview with Ron Espino. Extraordinary. And if you were listening to Livewire last night between 10 and midnight and particularly in the early part around 10, you would have caught Livewire doing a long-form interview with Tim Thorpe. <gasps> no. I know, right? Wow. It was great. Did he break out into a nautical jig in the middle? Did you? Could you tell? Uh, I don't think so, no. <laughs> okay. Oh, but if you missed enough. that, so, go back and listen to okay, On Demand. So it was great. On Livewire? Yeah, Livewire. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, about so his does, life. Does that just confirm that he lives at the station? <laughs> he was on there from 10 to 12 and then he's up at 6 o'clock. He, he's got a bed somewhere. I think Pat suggested that maybe Tim might like to just, you know, snuggle in on one of the couches in the green room and <laughs> save himself <laughs> a couple of hours of sleep. It was wonderful. Thank um, you, Tim. We've got an awesome show today. We've got a, um, So Neil Blake, Baykeeper, is going to join us and, and we're going to find out about a green turtle. In the bay. A green turtle yeah. in the bay. Okay, unusual. I, I can't wait to hear about this. And um, then um, we're going to talk seals. It's actually kind of large megafauna today, I've just realised. Oh, yeah, it is too. We've got seals. We've got seal spotters kicks off. Ross Holmberg from the um, um, Phillip Island Nature Parks will be in talking about seal spotters. And then the, near the end of the show, Kate. Yeah, we're going to bring Dave back. Dave Donnelly, we haven't spoken to him for a while. He's obviously migrated either to warmer or cooler waters over the summer, I'm not quite sure. But the whales are starting to kick in and we thought we'd have a quick chat to him about what's going on at the moment, but also a bit of a guide as to, you know, 
how to be the best waylo because apparently that's what oh, they're called. Wh- waylo. Yeah, as w- in like a birdo, but you oh. just. Oh. Apparently, surely we could do better, but. Um, <laughs> I think I think actually judging by the reaction that all of us had, it was kind of like a stunned silence. I think <laughs> I think if whalers are happy being called whalers, let's let them be yeah, whalers. True, good point. Yes, <laughs> it's better than being a whaler, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, true. Or they could reclaim that term from its dark history. Yeah. Maybe that's what they could do. Anyway, we got to. Do, have you got the weather? I do. Shall we have do we, that? Have we said Happy World Environment Day? No, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. Whoops. <laughs> Happy World Environment Day. I no, feel like, we have. I, I think it's um I think it's kind of amusing that we you know we spend so much of our lives lamenting uh, the the profile that is given to what we call charismatic megafauna, which are is exactly what we're doing the entire today show. on yeah. World Environment Day. So sorry, all the invertebrates out there. You'll have to wait till next week. We'll come back to you. Don't worry. You're going to make a little kind of you, you are going to make they're going to tiny a little bit in the middle with invertebrates, so oh, yeah. spider crabs. Yes, we'll be, that's great. You know. So, but anyway, we'll. Melody Campress is joining us as well. Okay, forecast for today. Heading for a top, winter has well and truly set in. Heading for a top of 13 degrees. Showers easing. (laughs) It's going to be not much different for the rest of the week. Uh, Cloudy, very high, 95% chance of showers in the morning, decreasing to a slight 30% chance this afternoon. Winds are gusty during the morning, perfect for community cup training. I'll talk about that in a second. And the afternoon, uh, 35 to 50 kilometres an hour, turning northwesterly 30 to 45 kilometres an hour during the morning. (gasps) Just realised I didn't pack my raincoat for training. I don't think a raincoat will help. I think no. maybe like some kind of a titanium shelter. Yeah, you know? Like a full body PPE or something yeah. like that. Anyway, that's today. It's going to be very windy and wet and cold. Yay. Uh, tomorrow, shower or two, 13, and pretty much very consistent pattern all through the week. Shower or two, showers developing, shower or two, showers, 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 showers. And tops between 11 and 13, so very consistent uh, wintry weather that has set in. Oh, if you want to do something that is tide-related. Now I wonder about on the footy this afternoon, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely be warm, um, taking, rucking up for that one. Uh, at the Heads, uh, we are heading for a low tide very shortly at 9.12am. Um, good luck there to you go. if you're heading out on the water today. You and five minutes. It might be one of those... Um, yeah, go and sit on a cliff top and, and watch. drink drink a warm yes. cup of milk drink, while drink you watch. Drink something nice yeah. and warm and just watch the crazy waves. And uh, four oh six p.m. this afternoon is high tide at the heads. Oh. Hey, now it is World Environment Day. It's when it's World Oceans Day on Wednesday. A couple of quick bits of news. I know you've got something you want to share as well, Brom. But one that I wanted to say was on World Environment Day, uh, Marinara, uh, a very long regular, and in fact, um, a guest on the first ever show in mid-December 1996, Dr Mark Norman, who is the current chief conservation scientist at Parks Victoria, is doing a webinar about cool stuff in the ocean. So check out, search up World Oceans Day, Parks Victoria, and you'll find it. Um, that will be something cool to watch. I've got the details for that one, Anthony. Oh, so brilliant. Pre-show meeting we didn't have. So <laughs> it's on Wednesday the 8th from 7th to 8 o'clock. Um, if you go to worldoceansday.org and you just type in Parks Victoria Mark Norman, that will come up as one of the events. And brilliant. the thing I loved, it said it's, it's going to talk about the cute and cuddly to the creepy and ugly. Wow. Is what he's going to be discussing. So I want to know which one falls into each of those categories. Um, wow. We're probably, on Marinara, we're probably the creepy and ugly, but it's, uh, you know, that's fine. We can live with that. 
And what have you? What have you got, Rod? I thought they were all cute and cuddly. <laughs> yeah, no, true, true. It's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Really. Uh, I've just got a couple of plugs. One, um, I just wanted to give a plug to Lane Owen Woodley's show, Moby Dick. And this is um, this is more for our interstate listeners because we know that you're out there and listening. So uh, they've taken their show around the country, which we did mention when they were on the program, uh, this coming Thursday, 9th of June uh, to Friday, 10th of June. So Thursday and Friday in Canberra, if you want to go along, if you happen to be listening in Canberra. We know we have subscribers in Canberra, so get along to that. Uh, and, uh, oh, no, I've totally... Yeah, I've totally stuffed that. That's Thursday. Friday they're in Sydney. So um, they're We're getting around. Anyway, they're getting wow. around. So maybe to go and see it, it's hilarious. The, the big one that I really wanted to plug, though, for this week is uh, our dance partners, uh, the Rock Dogs, our, of course, mm-hmm. being Megahertz. Community Cup is coming up two weeks from today. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't already got your tickets, the theme this year, uh, Recklink Community Cup, honours Archie Roach AM with the event theme Let Love Rule. Uh, it's going to be an amazing day. Uh, if you haven't already got your tickets, make sure you get online. But anyway, in the meantime, this coming Thursday, the Rock Dogs have got their pie night. Now, Megahertz pie night, we actually literally stand around eating pies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do in a pie That's night. That's what you do. Rock Dogs, I don't know whether they're serving pies. It's at the Brunswick Ballroom. It's actually an amazing night. And oh, wow. proceeds from the night go towards Recklink as Brilliant. well. Brilliant. So good on them. Yeah, really. And of course, fantastic. Rock Dogs, of course, they're going to put on like a huge event oh, that's massive. all about them. This is what they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what they do. So, uh, yes, our, our dear friends and dance partners, uh, the Rock Dogs, this coming Thursday at the Brunswick Ballroom, featuring. Uh, Casanova's Destrans Bond Revolver and the Rock Dogs Supergroup. Well, oh I just want to go and see the Rock me. Dogs Supergroup, right? I mean, so we're allowed to go, aren't we? Oh, yeah, it's an yeah, event. Yeah. It's an event. No, I mean, like, you know, megahertz, we're allowed to go. It's not like they're going to be a closed training session in the middle or something. You think for the it, rock is dogs. it a trap? I don't know. It's, I'm wondering. They're going to, like, you know, food poison <laughs> all of you or something. Um, no, it's it's open and um, <laughs> and we do love them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Doors are open at 6.30, kitchen open and show starts at 7.30. Yeah, get it, get amongst it. We'll put a link to that on our Facebook page. And you're, you're, because you're up for training. Because I noticed you've got the um, oxygen bottle out there for that <laughs> when you've done the lap. <laughs> um, I'm in a support role, Anthony. <laughs> oh, no, come on. You're going to get on that field. I know you are. Hey, um, we we want to win. <laughs> <laughs> what are you suggesting that if you're on the field? <laughs> I could significantly reduce our chances of that. Indeed, you are on 3RRR and prior to a couple of those messages um, from the Makarata Project with the Midnight Oil and a series of extraordinary Australians. Um, I don't know about you, but every time I hear the Uluru Statement read out, I get emotional. It's an extraordinarily generous piece, Mm. extraordinarily generous piece. If I had been like put in the position of Aboriginal Australians, that Aboriginal Australians have put and put in for 230 years. I don't know that I'd have that in the level of generosity. Um, you're on Radio Marinara. It is about 17 minutes past the hour of nine o'clock. And uh, we welcome to the studio our baykeeper, Neil Blake. Neil, welcome. Ahoy there, Mariners. <laughs> oh, no, it's Captain Trash. It's Captain Trash. <laughs> Oh, I get out of here. No, he's back. He's, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> Sensational. Are you well? Uh, apart from those little kind of moments where Captain Trash comes in there, Neil, are you well? I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with it. Yeah, no, I'm quite, keeping quite well. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, now, from a baykeeper perspective, an extremely unusual thing occurred this week. 
Yeah, actually, it was a, a bit over a week ago mm -hmm. uh, when uh, I got a text from Judy Muir, my friend down on the peninsula, uh, with a couple of shots of a, a green turtle that uh, one of the Paul Perro crew members, Jess Beckham, had uh, discovered at Blair Gary, uh, which he called Adelaide because it was near Adelaide Street. Uh, and uh, yeah, it had been washed ashore, and so, so that was uh, really uh, quite a, quite an event. You know, in my experience, it's a very rare thing for green turtles to turn up in the bay. Uh, well, well, you know, just for for those, um, just where do green turtles come from normally? They well, usually... they live uh, across the uh, oceans across the world, really, um, in tropical and subtropical waters. So uh, uh, I checked the uh, water temperature on the the bomb site uh, on the 30th of May, it was actually um, 14.58 yeah. degrees at the bottom of the bay, you know, which is definitely not tropical or subtropical. Neil, we, we mentioned the turtle last week on the program. Um, Farm sent through some images and some video of a green turtle, what, what, what looked like to be like a green turtle, um, at Ricketts Point. And we were wondering, we thought, wow. well, wait till we catch up with you this week. Is it the same animal or are there two of them or potentially more? I believe that that's, that's there's actually, yeah, that would be a second turtle because I, I got that same clip um, forwarded from Ivan Lee. Uh, it's actually taken by Michael Anderson at Ricketts Point. Uh, and that was about uh, two days after the... Um, Turtle at uh, Blair Gary, yeah, so quite and, interesting. And Neil, have you um, managed to kind of, um, you know, in your um, investigations, managed to find out if there's, you know, a history of kind of rare sightings or spottings of green turtle? Because it is a bit unusual. Yeah, well, Judy uh, tells me she's seen five so far over the years. So mm -hmm. she's been oh. around the bay, I suppose, from her childhood. Uh, but uh, it's so it's not like they happen every year, or and, and there may be others on the Victorian coast. But uh, I did note though too that it's probably even more problematic if they come into the bay, particularly at this time of the year, because it's slightly colder than in the oceanic waters yeah. outside of the bay. Yeah, yeah, Kate. Okay. Yeah. So what I wanted to know, Neil, like I'm sure everyone's seen Finding Nemo and they've seen the turtles ripping down the East Australian Current. Um, how did they end up in the bay? Is that part of the transport? Is that they sort of got lost? Um, you know, looking for a coffee. That's, that's the interesting <laughs> thing. I mean, you could assume that perhaps they're in trouble in the first place, but the the film of the turtle at Ricketts Point, it looked quite happy. You know, it was just swimming normally as you would expect to see a turtle. But you know, obviously they don't they don't have much expression on their face. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit hard to tell. But... Oh, you mean Nemo wasn't real? Oh, okay. You can pick uh, up you can pick up cues though, can't you, Neil? From how they like how much energy they have into their mm. paddling. It the the footage that I saw it looked pretty healthy. I mean, again, yeah. you know, obviously yes, you can't deduce too much, but you think if it was sick, it would be kind of you know floundering mm. a bit or or you know not having much energy. But this one seemed to have quite a bit of energy. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, and I suppose I have to get on to the sad note that the Adelaide, the turtle that mm. just actually did uh, die uh, about a week after it was found. Mm -hmm. that, that was being cared for um, by the Marine Response Unit, the, the Zoo's Marine Response Unit. And uh, uh, they, they had uh, undertaken some scans of its lungs and found there was some congestion on, on the lungs, mm. which might have been pneumonia or something along those lines. 
And Ebony, who I spoke to from the Marine Response Unit, said that sometimes as you're warming up uh, cold shocked species or animals, um, you, you might actually reactivate the uh, organisms that are you know like in this case it may have been a type of pneumonia that it was yeah. suffering from already so uh, but as you're warming them up that it can actually reactivate the illness yeah of course of course i, I remember um <clears throat> just on the you know the history of them appearing um many many years ago when um i was involved in the marine science program for the newly declared protected areas i remember that uh, green turtles turned up on the radar of very rare transient species in the protected areas. You know, kind of in the in the historical data sets, and it's and and as you say, Kate, it is one of those things where coming down the East Australian current, every once in a while, the current kick. You know, you get a little spin off that kicks into Bass Strait, and you know, happens. That's how a lot of the urchins have moved, and blah blah blah. I mean, the East Australian current now is heading right down to Tassie, as we know, um, which it did used to, but not always. But now it pretty much always. Does. But then, you know, you end up with these wacky kind of tropical or subtropical species coming across. And if they get past the, the barrier that is the prom, then they're kind of like, ah, cool, this is a nice, hopefully slightly warmer spot to, to sit in. So, yeah, it, it can happen, but it's, it is, like you're saying, Neil, it's very unusual. Yeah, we seem to have had a lot more easterly winds too mm. uh, this year, I think. So that's possibly helped to drive them in this direction as well. Wow. Well, thank you very much. What a very interesting baykeeper. Any other quick baykeeper tidbits to throw in before we... Oh, well, I guess the, the point, one key thing is that uh, despite the fact that these turtles may not um, survive, uh, given that there is another another turtle in the bay that has been observed, there's a likelihood that one also might get turned up on the beach. So it would be really good if people out there on their travels uh, had the marine response unit's number in their phone so they could get onto them straight away. So um, I'll just give that now, which is 1300 245 that's it. Yeah, and uh, basically, don't try to handle them. I mean, they may be yeah. still uh, have enough kick in them to bite your finger or something like that. So, and and warming them up, warming them up is not advisable either. They they mm. need to be that, that needs to be done very slowly, about one degree a day by professionals you know, so there's only. A, there's a process that's required. So, uh, that that would be all I'd advocate. Brilliant. And the one last thing I'd like to just say is that uh, I attended a, a gathering in Clifton Park in Brunswick yesterday uh, with a group called Sweltering Cities who are campaigning about the use of synthetic turf. As you know, I've been uh, yep. doing quite a bit of collecting of that over the last couple of years. Uh, and they're wanting to get uh, people to sign a petition to uh, uh, call for a greater study and scrutiny of the, the use of synthetic turf in urban areas, because there's a whole host of reasons why it's bad stuff, and uh, they re it's something that the, the community needs to start voicing uh, concerns about. So, if people would like to Google synthetic uh, sweltering cities, you'll come across the details of that there. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks very much, Neil. Um, we're going to have a couple of messages and then back with the latest from Aldi about spider crabs. Radiotherapy, Sundays at 10am. 
Our team of irreverent, but fairly well-qualified, medicos and experts shed light on all things health, medicine and well-being. Tune in to Radiotherapy via FM, digital, online, on demand or via the app. Oh, where are the giant spider crabs? They've only arrived in dribs and drabs. They were due in June on the strawberry moon by their thousands appearing by the pier. Let's hope this year isn't fallow. May they soon festoon every bayside shallow. Next full moon high to our shores and coves. Let leptomithrax gymadii come scuttling in droves. Ah, yes, that uh, theme can only mean one thing and a big uh, hello and shout out. Firstly, to to Mal Webb and Kylie Morgan, who put that together last year. And uh, yes, yeah, special big hello and uh, to Dr. Elodie Campras from Deakin University. Good morning, Elodie. Good morning. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure uh, for our, our weekly update on what's happening with spider crabs. So last week when we caught up with you, they were looking to amass somewhere on the Bellarine Peninsula. Where, where have we got to this week? Yeah, so it's interesting because they seem to have moved on from this spot even though there was no sign of molting that we can see uh, or we know of. Um, so it's a bit of a yeah question mark whether they've moved on altogether to a completely different part of the bay or they sw- switched to deeper water where um, yeah they're not as easy to find perhaps. Um, someone... Um, in front of my flew a drone um, three days ago, I believe, and it seems like perhaps they saw them there. But, um, yeah, it's it's hard to say because they haven't been seen on other days. So, yeah, now we, um, yeah, play the waiting game again and see where <laughs> they're going to appear next. When we caught up with you a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about um, some cameras that were being put on a couple of piers on the Mornington side of the bay. Uh, have they given us any indication about whether they might have moved back over to the Mornington site? Yes, yeah, so we did actually uh, retrieve the cameras on Thursday and change the batteries and redeploy them. So um, I've got the, the images that were taken in the past three weeks. So it's, it's not a live um, feed, so to speak. So we do have to retrieve the data and see what, what's been happening. But um, so perhaps not. Not very surprisingly, uh, we didn't really catch any spider crabs. Well, there's a few known spider crabs on some of the images, but no aggregations, which isn't surprising because um, there hadn't been any sightings at Rye that we knew of. And then um, the activity that was seen at Blegory was um, not not right under the pier. So, um, yeah, so we've redeployed the cameras. We'll see what happens and uh, what we get there. Um, it could be also that, you know, there's several different groups at once and, and they're in different areas, so we'll see what we get. But, um, yeah, speaking of the, the images from the time-lapse cameras, uh, I'm actually going to send uh, some sample shots from uh, to the mailing list from the cameras. So no crabs, but there actually have been some pretty cool things captured on the images. So um, if people are interested in that, they can sign up for Spider Crab Watch updates. So they can navigate to the Spider Crab Watch project on iNaturalist. And um, under the map, there's, uh, there's the link to sign up for people that are interested in seeing these images. 
Fantastic. Uh, one last question for you. Um, in the introduction theme, Mel and Kylie sing about being them being due on the strawberry moon. Do we know when the strawberry moon is for for this year? Um, I'm not sure. I, I what I know is a new. Uh, sorry, full moon is the 14th. So in about yeah, less than 10 days. Yeah. Okay. And uh, new moon is the 28th. So if if there's anything to do with the moon, then, um, yeah, that, there might be some activity then. Yeah, okay, so we're looking um, maybe 10 days. Excellent. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll catch up with you again next week, Elodie, because it's wonderful getting this sort of week-by-week week <laughs> yeah. update on what's happening with them. So thanks again for joining thank us you. this morning on Marinara. We'll hopefully catch you next week. Yeah, and I want to say thank you to everyone who's been watching and uh, uploading sighting on Spider Crab Watch because this is... Yes, very, very useful for us. So thank you to everyone. Fantastic. Thanks, Elodie. We'll catch you next week. Sure. Bye. Bye. I've got a special message. To you? Yeah. This one came through um, while uh, we were playing the Uluru Statement from the heart. Okay. This one came from Felix, who is the father of young Edie Walker, who (gasps) is the granddaughter of Stephen Walker of The Ghost. Anyway, he uh, formerly known by many people here at Triple R as Ghost. Anyway, um, Felix wanted to let us know that uh, Edie was glued to the radio <sighs> and it was the first time she'd ever heard the audio statement of the heart. Oh, that's beautiful. From the heart. But anyway, that just wanted to beautiful. let you know. But thanks for letting us know, Felix. That was really lovely. Oh, that's gorgeous. And, you know, like I, I, you know, you read it as a, you know, I've read it both as a script, but when you hear it spoken that way, I mean, it makes impact when you just read those words, but when you hear it spoken, oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Felix. That's gorgeous. You're on Radio Marinara. It is about 23 minutes to the hour of 10 o'clock. The doctors are starting to amass. I can see, oh, yes, I can see some golf carts. Um, and we, and it turns out, we've been following the development of seal spotters. And it turns out seal spotters is now five years old. Who would have thought Dr. Rebecca McIntosh from the Phillip Island Nature Park and Ross Holmberg from the Phillip Island Nature Park have been joining us over the years and talking about it. And we welcome Ross into the studio. Welcome. Thank you. Five years. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. We had a couple of years from uh, off from coming in here, but that's it was true. Still going. You're still yeah. doing it though. Yep. And in fact, it, it, talking last time we we're talking to you guys on air, it turned out COVID was kind of helpful because people were bored and they were counting seals. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of went a bit both ways. We th- we thought we'd take make the most of it, and yep. uh, we were hearing from a lot of people that they wanted things to do at home, and thought, well, we've got something we could you could do. Oh, and so brilliant. we we started it up early. Um, and we got, yeah, really good uptake. Now, for those who don't know, and I know I should say you're the data guy, like, you know, yeah. Beck is the seal guru and you're the data guy, which means you get to see all the really cool stuff that happens. <laughs> for those that don't know, what is seal spotters? Um, so seal spot is basically a way for us to count seals, mm-hmm. which is something that's really important for us to research the species and therefore research the ocean in general. Um, counting seals is something that's been done for a really long time. Uh, we're basically just trying to bring that process a little bit into the 21st century. Um, and also we're trying to step back a little bit from actually getting too close to the seals. So instead of walking through a seal colony, um, which is quite disturbing to the seals and counting them mm-hmm. by eye, uh, we now fly a drone overhead, uh, which the seals, as far as we can tell, pretty much don't notice. So mm-hmm. we fly the drone overhead, take a lot of photos. Um, and we're left with a whole bunch of photos with uh, a very good view of all the seals that are there. Um, we particularly want to count the pups, so we can see all the pups in there. 
the problem we're left with is a lot of images to count. Yeah, then you're um, actually got to work through them all. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's where Seal Spotter comes in, and our Seal Spotters come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're we're putting those images online, and we're inviting people to help us count them. So, basically, looking at those images and seeing the seals in the images, and and clicking on those seals to point them out to us. Yep. And the result of that is is we'll get a count of the seals and specifically the pups at each of the colonies that we're monitoring each season. Um, and yeah. And do you find so I've done this? Yeah. I don't know whether you've tried this one, but I've done it. And actually, at times you go, "Oh, is that a seal or a rock?" Or, yeah. You know, like the angle, and then you go to the next one. And you go, oh, it was a seal. Yeah, it's yeah. really hard. And it's actually not as yep. easy as you kind of imagine it would be. Yeah. Are you finding that? I mean, how many seal spotters are there? Because you were getting people like all over the world, weren't you? We've had we've had representation from every continent no now, way. including wow. Antarctica. We even hit Antarctica. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, um, I bet we know who that is. But anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we do have contacts, but uh, so we, we managed to squeeze that one in. But um, yeah, we've had last year we had somewhere around three hundred or so people. Fantastic. Um, and yeah, more than that if we count all of the years, obviously. But um, that's really important to to have different people counting. Yeah. As you say, it's really hard. Yeah. And so when one person clicks on a on a thing, it might be a seal, it might be a rock. They do their best, and that's all we yeah. ask of people. Um, but what we do is basically look for a consensus. So so we get multiple people to count that image. Which is is uh, in some ways a little bit disappointing. So, oh, my count didn't. My count wasn't necessarily the one that counted. But it's also it makes it a bit of oh, team effort because you're yeah, working totally. with you're working as a team as our, our seal spotter team, and uh, and together we can get a better count than any individual could get, which is really uh, yeah, important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and do you um are you do you find that have you have you done any comparison? I know you're trying not to get into the colonies and do counting, you know, yeah. by walking through them. I know that's part of the reason for this. Yeah. Are you finding though, if you are still doing that, that you're getting kind of better data by the seal spotters? Yeah. Or? So that's a, that was a really important step in the beginning. So we're kind of past the comparison phase now, but. Yep. In any, any case, when we're doing research and we change methods, we want to make sure that the new method is comparable to the mm-hmm. old method and hopefully, if anything, a little bit more precise. Yep. And so we did that. We had an overlap. We went for two or three years sort of thing. We, we did both. We did both methods so that we could compare them. This, this, so the yeah. same year, the same colony, this, basically the same time, doing the two different methods to verify that the new method is is um you know, precise enough and um, consistent enough with the old method and that was we it? could. It's it's far more precise oh, than the wow. old method, um, and but it's also fairly consistent in that we can use the data moving forward to compare with the data yeah. going back, and so yeah. that's really important too because that long term data set. You know, it's different to what we've got now, but it's really, really valuable yeah. in that it goes over a long time. So we can see those trends over time, which is one of the really important things that we've started to get more frequent counts, which is something that we're enable, is enabled by the fact that we're not disturbing the seals so much. Um, the, the older data is a little bit more sparse. So it used to be done once every five years. We now do it a lot more regularly. But in that once every five year data, we were seeing declines and that, huh. you know, that, that sort of, you know, raised the alarm bells. And so now we're able to sort of hone in and try to get a bit more detail on that and try to see what exactly is going on and, and, and look closer. Yeah, fantastic. That is brilliant. Now, it, 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 the reason where you're on is it, it formally launches this week. The yeah, season yeah. starts, the spot-a-thon or whatever you want to call yeah, it, yep. is on, of course, uh, on World, Envi- and World Oceans Day, kicks yep. off. And what do people have to do? 
So basically, if you if you go online and, and generally if you just search for the term seal spotter or you can go to the Nature Parks website, which is penguins.org.au, you'll find a link there that gets you there. Um, and we're just asking people to go on there. You can look at a little um, instructional video where mm-hmm. Beck helps you see what exactly you have to do. Um, and then and then you'll follow through to go and start looking at images. Um, once you start looking at the images, you'll basically see an image from the air, from our drone, that's looking straight down on the colony. And you're looking in that image to see pups um, and then adults and juveniles. And if you can see any entanglements, they're really, really important for us to see yeah. as well. And so you have actually, as I understand it, you have picked up entanglements from seal spotters yeah. going through and saying, oh, I think that seal's in trouble over yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So these are we're, we're looking at um, surveys after the fact, obviously. We, we took the photos and then afterwards people are counting them. So we can't go in and say, oh, let's go and find that seal. But yeah. what we can do is monitor that. Uh, monitor how those entanglements are going over time and and see how big of a problem it is what do we need to do about it you know what kind of entanglements are causing the most problems and how we can fix that problem so that's that's really where that comes in okay so it's really easy anyone can do this can't they anyone can do anyone with access to a computer we've had i think down to four years old and up to about 92 years old or so and my last question is um not that everything is competitive or anything like that (laughs) although i am learning a language on duolingo and it seems like it's competition with a thousand (laughs) people around the world but um Aren't they like seal spotter stars? Yes. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We, we, they, they come back again and again. Um, uh-huh. we've, we've got a few. I won't mention no, their no, names because I'm yeah. not sure if they want to. But, um, but yes, absolutely stars. And, and you know who you are and thank you very much. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, they come back again and again. And, and we consistent, they, they consistently help us count, but they also consistently help us improve the platform because yeah. they use it so much and they, we often get tips from them and say, hey, I've noticed this, you know, it could be a bit better this ah. way. Gives us ideas that we haven't thought of and, and it's changed quite a bit because of those people, yeah. That's very cool. Are they local people mostly, your superstars? Uh, I haven't actually asked them. Yeah, I, I, yeah we try, um, I think a couple of them are, but we've definitely got a few that aren't. Yeah. I, I can think of one from the US. So, so yeah, definitely. Wow. That is so brilliant. Isn't and it? schools? Yeah. Do schools participate as well? Yeah, yeah. We, we've had a few schools get involved and we've even done some collaborations with schools where they've created a project. So we've oh, we've designed cool. their own version of Seal Spotter so that the students could design an experiment, um, make a version of Seal Spotter that suits their experiment, go through it with their classes and with their, their schoolmates um, and then look at the data afterwards and see what they found. So we've done that cool. as well. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's such a brilliant program. Love it. And we're going to keep tracking it. Um, our longitudinal data set is you guys come in every year and we understand what's happening. We, we, uh, we, you know, I remember that first conversation five years ago, but we're going to do this thing. And you know, does anyone want to do it? Yeah. Now it's great. So happy birthday Thank to you. you and Beck. Um, and um, how did, just remind us again, how do people get involved? So the website is natureparksresearch.com.au slash sealspotter. But your best bet is just to search for sealspotter. Seal spotter. It basically comes up straight away. Brilliant. Search anywhere for sealspotter. Go there and just follow the prompts. Uh, watch the video. Uh, Beck will show you the way through. There's also a little cheat sheet on there now that you can you can have open and you can look at some of Beck's counts, so what she counted yeah. in some images to say, oh, nice. I see what she does. Yep, yeah, I see what that looks like. Very um, cool. So hopefully that'll help as well. Ross, thank you for coming in live in 3D. Lovely to see you My in pleasure. person. I love coming in. <laughs> Brilliant. Ross Holmberg there from um, Phillip Island Nature Park. Oz, we want to bring in Dolphin Dave and Cade. Yes, well, look, he needs no introduction. We've mentioned Dolphin Dave many times. So is he going to give us a little flipper noise to um, bring himself in? Uh, I've got a COVID cough, uh, Kate. I can't do that. 
Uh, good to have you back on board, Dave. It's been a while since we've had you on, and this time of year we start to talk to you more frequently. When I spoke to you earlier, you said whales have just started going off, and we've had a very unusual overlap of whale species right now. So what does going off in the whale world mean, and what's happening with the species overlap? Well, that was a private email, Kate. Um, <laughs> I guess it's just my, my way of saying to you, that uh, we are starting to see whales appearing along our coastline now as part of that northerly migration of humpbacks and the arrival of southern right whales on our coast, but also the longest stay of blue whales on our western uh, side of the coastline of Victoria. So uh, going off, I guess, means that there's multiple species taking advantage of our wonderful coastline at the moment, whether they be feeding, migrating or getting ready to give birth. Which leads in perfectly when we said we're going to get you on. There's a lot of people out there I know who have probably missed their whale watching during COVID times and they're starting to think, oh, it might be windy, it might be terrible, it might be cold, but, um, you know, whale watching is a great way to get outside. Um, give us some tips. Where where in the coast? So let's work our way from east to west. Where are some of the key spots that people go to watch whales? Uh, well, the, I guess the short answer is any elevated platform, any high cliff top, um, high sand dunes also work as well. Some of the more popular places to see whales um, across the last sort of five or so years in Victoria have been um, from the east, we'll start in the east, as you suggested. Uh, Wilson's Promontory is, is one of the first sports of call. Um, you can, of course, see whales all along the coast, but Wilson's Prom, uh, there's a tour vessel that operates there. You can also see them whilst hiking. And then you come across to the Bass Coast, uh, Phillip Island, and across the Mornington Peninsula, um, Cape Shank, a great location for seeing whales. Humpback whales tend to pass closer to the coast at headlands. So if you pick a headland, you've probably got a bit better chance of getting a closer view. Um, then we move across to uh, Port Phillip and Western Port, where they visit occasionally, but really the next port of call of any real notoriety is Warrnambool. Um, of course, Warrnambool has been long known as a carving ground for southern right whales, and we're hoping that this year will be uh, no different with more calves to be born there. But coming in a close second, perhaps even coming in uh, number one for southern right whales in the west, is Portland, really starting to hype up over the last sort of... Uh, probably about the last six to eight years, whales have been showing up there with more regularity, and that's southern right whales. So uh, a bit of a shift in movement and perhaps some carving going on over there, but not confirmed yet. And then the other thing I guess I wanted to get into is, like, what do you bring when you go whale watching? You know, like diving, everyone packs their dive gear and the rest of it. But what do you take with you when, you know, you're heading down to this headland to go and spot a whale? Like, I'm guessing a thermos of tea and a really thick jumper. But um, what else What else do you see? And how do you spot other whalos? <laughs> Good question. Good question. Uh, it's not the pocketbook in the top pocket like it is for birdos. Uh, it's a little bit different to that. But uh, look, yeah, it's a great question. And a lot of people do go underprepared. Now, whale watching takes time and anything that takes time requires nourishment, uh, whether it be some water or, or, or food or both. Uh, so if you're not near a coffee shop, you want to take some coffee with you because you could be in for a long haul. Um, of course, warm clothes are very important when we're whale watching in winter on the coastline. We get pretty windy days. Even on the offshore wind days where the sea is calm, we're still pretty chilly up there on the cliff tops. So nice warm clothes. And of course, you're going to need a pair of binoculars if you want a good view. 
And we've just gone through a bit of a descriptor around, around binoculars for our uh, beautiful, wonderful citizen scientists. Um, we, we recommend a seven times magnification that's keeping the, the binocular nice and steady uh, without it being too heavily magnified. So it's pretty easy to use for beginners. Um, and there's some wonderful products out there by Bushnell and Canon and others who can do great uh, binoculars uh, at a range of prices. So um, I, I would recommend those few things. If you're into photography, uh, a longer lens for land, land base, about a 400 millimeter lens will do the job but uh, 200 will also do it. It just depends on, on how, how much into it you are. And of course, the final thing you need is the PodWatch app, uh, saved to your phone. <laughs> now, uh, the PodWatch app is available on the, uh, the website of Dolphin Research Institute, www.dolphinresearch.org. Um, and it's not a proper app. It, it can be saved as a home screen uh, icon rather than a download app. So it's really easy to use. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't require upgrading and uh, you don't have to put it back on when you've got a new phone, it's just straight off the website. So uh, please do report those sightings. I do, I do, Dave, just one quick one. I, I do love that, you know, I was thinking of the technical stuff that whalers would need, but the first thing you started with was food. <laughs> so I just, you know, it gives people the sense of it's one of those things where you, you do sit and wait and watch, and it's probably good for the soul as much as it is exciting when you actually see one. Oh, it's just fantastic, and we're blessed here at the Two Bays region. We've got the entire Mornington Peninsula Coastline National Park, fantastic uh, bushland places and great uh, cliff-top perches for people to sit on. And then if you go to Phillip Island, you're in Phillip Island Nature Parks. And then if you go across the Boonarong, you're in the, the Boonarong Marine Sanctuary Zone. So how good is that? Is there a better place in Victoria than the Two Bays region? I don't think so. <laughs> Nice little plug there, Dave. Um, one other thing I just wanted to ask you was, is there a time of day to this? So, you know, is there a better time for whale spotting or is it just any time you can go? Look, really, any time you can go is a great time to, to go, of course. But uh, we find that the mornings are typically a bit calmer. Uh, pick yourself a nice day that's uh, got clear visibility, not too much white water. Uh, that is chop and if you can pick a day with offshore winds it's going to help a lot uh, we're looking for nice uh, comfortable conditions if we can find them during winter so it's uh, and, and as for spotting whalers they've probably got a pair of binoculars around their neck they're probably looking out to sea and they've probably been sitting there for hours rather than minutes so uh, uh keep an eye out for your fellow whale watchers out there we've got we're building a brilliant community of people who love catching up on the cliff tops and chatting and watching whales together in fact they're they're biasing some of the data we're getting so Behave yourselves, Dave. Are they safe to approach, Dave? Uh, they're, they're very safe to approach, although you might want to take earmuffs. Um, just that people do tend to get quite excited when they start talking about whales. So uh, you walk away, don't make too much eye contact. Okay. <laughs> oh dear, we do love whales. We've got to make that clear. <laughs> There's that music in the background there, Kate, just to let you know. Uh, oh, look. I didn't, I've actually run out of questions, so I have to go all the way back to Dolphin, Dave, and the idea of that flipper noise. Did you do your research while we're off air? Is that actually a dolphin making flippers? Uh, for those pop culture people, block your ears now. Um, it's actually a sped up kookaburra sound that's uh, being manufactured, and that's been applied to use a... Um, to use in the flipper movies back in the 1960s. Oh, so well, there it's you not go. actually a dolphin sound that you're hearing in those movies. It's our well-renowned and 
very favourite kingfisher of Australia, the kookaburra. I love that. That's a nice way to end. There's the mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, Dave, brilliant. And, um, look, we want to thank um, all of our guests today, Dolphin Dave, um, Ross Holmberg from Phillip Island Nature Park, and, of course, Neil Blake. And... um, and Elodie Compress. And on next week's program, we're going to be speaking with Lisa Blair, who's just broken the Antarctic circumnavigation record. Very excited about that. Cabin boy as well, Dr. Beach calling from Gladstone and Rex. See ya. Bye, everyone. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.